Joyful, joyful. How many of you are joyful to be here this morning? Just raise your hand real quick. All right, I got two hands in some places. That's great. That's great. It's so good to have you today. Thank you for being a part of First Baptist Church, Sun City West, as we gather together corporately to worship Almighty God. So thank you for taking the time. And if this is your very first time, you've never filled out one of our guest cards, we'd love for you to take the guest card that's in the pew in front of you and fill out completely. And as you leave today, just drop it in one of the offering boxes. We would certainly appreciate that so we could send you a letter this week and reach out to you. And thank you for coming. This morning, we focus our attention again on prayer, the benefits of prayer, the blessing of God concerning prayer. And I hope that uh, you'll have uh, your ears open and the Spirit allowing you to speak boldly because we have the awe ability to communicate with the creator of the universe. <laughs> Let's do that right now. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come and be a part of this time of worship. What we've already experienced through uh, uh, the organ, through the handbells, and Father, in just a few moments, our singing together, incredible songs, the prayers that will be prayed, the message that will be communicated, your word lifted up, all to give you honor and praise and glory. And so this morning, Father, we give you that praise. We give you that honor and glory because nobody else deserves it. And so we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you. We have the opportunity to communicate to you, the Almighty. So this morning, with joy in our hearts, we lift our voices together, thanking you for your unconditional love. So allow your spirit to move. Let us experience you today, Father. Let your presence be known. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I will call upon the Lord, who indeed is worthy to be praised. Stand as we sing together.
Good morning. Good morning. I'm not going to preach now. <laughs> uh, let's be clear on that. But I'd like to read Matthew uh, 11, verses 28 through 30, please. <coughs> Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you for the thrill of sharing life with him and being yoked alongside him Thank you for upholding us when we stumble. I ask you to help us learn what taking Jesus' yoke upon ourselves is all about. Help us get off this treadmill of pressurized living. We pray that you will take the place of the demand on us, the self-help we seek, the struggle we face, and the message we created. And give us your peace like we never known it before. Help us to trust you. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Wonderful, merciful Savior, you are the one that we praise. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who could have loved the love could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue. Spirit will 
Morning. Our scripture reading for today is from 1 Peter 4, 7 through 8, the NIV version. Um, you can follow along in the Pew Bible or on the screens. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 8. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. These are the words of the Lord.
Dinah, thank you so much. His love hath no limit, his grace no measure, his power with no limits, no boundaries. That is a powerful song with powerful statements concerning the Almighty God. And it is the Almighty God that we have the privilege of praying to. And it's the Almighty God with no grace that has a measure, with no love that has a limit, and no power that has a boundary, who speaks to us, who empowers us, and who gives us the authority. to accomplish the desires of his heart. But it is so critical that we stay in contact with him, that we learn, that we hear, and that we allow him the ability to work through us. 
There are many, many books out on prayer today. That's not always been the case. The large majority of those books talk about techniques, the how to pray. That's pretty much been the thrust since the, uh, since the 1950s. But if you go back before the 1950s, most of, if not all, of the books that you will find on prayer just talk about prayer, just doing it. The big difference, I believe, as we look prior to the 1950s to the 1950s and, and beyond, is that the prayer books prior to the 50s focused on praying and praying and praying more. I believe that the big difference is the volume of prayer in our lives because it is the volume of prayer that gives prayer its horsepower. It's not just token prayer, and that's what a lot of us do in our lives. Very important, just to say in communication from God, but there is a powerful prayer that we talked about last week, and this week I want to talk about the blessings of prayer in the church. I think the key to a movement of God in a local church, and that is receiving his blessings that we're going to talk about today, lies in the volume of the church's prayer. Not just us individually, but corporately as the body of Christ. Throughout Scripture, you're going to find that the people of God gathered together, whether it be in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, they gathered together and they prayed. So how in the world can we accomplish this kind of volume praying? There's six principles that I'm going to, to lay out for you with uh, multiple scriptures, and I want you, if you would, to follow along. I believe that the more praying that is done by the church, the more unity and singleness of purpose will exist. The more praying that is done by a church, the more unity and singleness of purpose will exist. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously this verse is usually used when we talk about giving which is very appropriate but that's not its only application because if you look at this you find that it's a farming illustration it expresses a law of life therefore it says that the more seeds you plant the greater the harvest the fewer seeds you plant you're going to have less of a harvest. It is a principle. Therefore, the more we pray as individuals and as a church, the more blessings or harvest God is going to send. This is a principle that I think that we need to follow in our church life as well as our individual life. Because the antithesis to that is the less we pray, the less blessing we're going to receive from God, the less movement of God in our life. Secondly, I believe that when there is a great deal of prayer, the volume praying that I'm talking about, when there's a great deal of prayer in a church, there will be a great deal of unity as well. And if there is not much praying, then there very possibly could be less unity in the church we are told that we are to pray for and love those who love us our neighbors 
and even those that don't like us. <laughs> and the, the principle there is if you're praying for someone and you're really praying for them and you keep praying for them, how in the world can you dislike them? The idea comes in that I believe that the number one requirement for God to bless a church so that it will grow in its maturity, and what I mean by its maturity is that the people becoming more and more like Jesus, the more that we grow in maturity and the church grows in size, that is the lost being saved, if those things are going to happen, then there must be unity within the body. Now, where there is disunity and division within the local church, to that degree, these things happen. The Holy Spirit will be grieved and quenched. Spiritual growth and maturity will not happen. Lost people will not be getting saved. There will not be joy within the family. God will not be glorified, and people will be reluctant to needed change. So there are things that begin to happen when we don't pray. We, we all of a sudden begin to realize that we're not necessarily unified. But where you see unity in the church, you see a sweet, sweet spirit. Where there's unity in the church, you see joy. People I talk to that come to our church for the first time, they will say, you know, that is just a joyful group of people. They just seem to love one another, and they just welcome us right in. That is a beautiful sign that there's a sense of unity within the body. And I believe that we have a lot of folks who pray. And we have opportunities corporately to do that, because when we pray, and the more we pray, the more unified we'll be upon what God desires in our church's life. And the only way to have that unity, again, is to pray. Because the more we pray, the more joy there's going to be. The more we pray, the more unified we're going to be. We're going to have this idea that, that as we pray and pray and pray, God is speaking to us. He's molding us. He is moving us together as a body of, of faith to have a like-mindedness to accomplish the desire of His heart. We're becoming more and more like Him, even with our uniqueness. Church ought to be... A joyful place to come don't you agree don't you think that this ought to be a little piece of heaven on this side it's the way it ought to be when people come here and when we come together as the family of faith and when we have members of the community that are coming to look us over or check us out or be a part or want desire desire some kind of spiritual movement in their life they want to come to a place of refuge and a place of peace a place that we can gather in the, the safety and the security of the body of Christ because Christ is our head. Where there is low-grade disunity, people are not going to enjoy it. They're not going to have a joy. And I, I have been a part of churches, unfortunately, that have not always just seen everything together. And I'll have guests tell me when they come and said you know pastor I, I i enjoy the service but boy there just seemed to be something there i don't know if you've ever been a part of a church like that but i'll tell you people can sense it but where there is much praying and there is a movement of unity because god is forming us 
and a one-mindedness, a singleness of purpose, we're going to find that that unity is going to allow us to accomplish many things for God. Where there is unity and joy because of much praying, I guarantee that the church's ministry is an adventure. It's not something to dread. It's not something to say, well, I'm going to have to go and get this ministry accomplished. It becomes an exciting adventure. Wonder what God is going to do now. Wonder what God is going to do in our midst when we come together. I wonder what kind of adventure he's leading us on when we take on this particular ministry or that ministry. What is God going to do? There is that sense of excitement and expectancy. After Peter and John <coughs> were released from prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they found their way to the other believers. <coughs> Sorry about that. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 and 32 says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. I'll dissect this verse just a little bit. They were released, and what did they do? They didn't go off by themselves, but they found the other believers. And after they prayed, that was the body of believers. That was the corporate body. They prayed together. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. God heard their prayer. God not only heard their prayer, but God moved in their midst. And all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now think about that. The first benefit of praying together with this sense of unity of purpose. You see, all were filled with the Holy Spirit, not just the spiritually elite, but they all were. They were praying together. And what happened is God moved in their midst, not only shook the place where they were, but God moved in them that even those that had timidity spoke the word of God boldly. It wasn't them. It was the movement of God in their life through the Holy Spirit that gave them that boldness. And not only that, we find that all believers were of one mind and one heart. That's the second benefit of their prayer time together. With their unity, a purpose, that they were of one mind and heart. That makes all the difference in the world when you're praying together for something, for God to move in your midst, and I promise you that God will move. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20 says, Again, I tell you that if two of you are on earth agree about anything you ask for, the word ask has the idea of prayer, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I will be with them. So we have this idea that Jesus is talking about where two of you agree on anything. The word agree has the idea of unity, does it not? Where you agree in anything that you ask when you go to prayer in agreement, 
And that understanding of ask and agreement, and when you talk about uh, the Father in heaven, it has the idea that you're taking on the mind of the Father. So anything you ask according to the Father's will, he says, I'll give it to you. It will happen because you have kingdom purposes in mind. He says, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven, for where two or three come together, again, together, in my name, I will be in their midst. That includes prayer. So the question we have to ask ourselves, are we praying as much as we need to be praying individually, but also corporately? I believe with all my heart that we have a lot of prayer warriors that are praying by themselves in their prayer times, and that is so critical, so important. But also, we must be praying corporately with the body of Christ together. Third principle is the more praying that is done by a church, the more genuine love the people will have for God, for each other, and for the world. The more praying that is done by a church, the more genuine love the people will have for God, for each other, and for the world. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9 says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul is addressing the church at Philippi, and he's saying, I, I want you to understand what my prayer for you is. I want you to abound more in love. And he says, that's going to happen the more and more you gain knowledge and you gain depth of insight. And he goes on to say, and that you understand what is best and pure. When you understand in your walking with the Lord, and in your prayer time, listening to what he has to say to you, as well as you communicating with him, you're going to learn cognitively knowledge, depth, depth of insight, not just insight, but a real understanding of what God's desire is, and then what is best and what is pure, and those things together are going to help you to abound more and more in love, which is what Paul's desire is. So the more we pray and the more we understand the heart of God, the deeper we have in our walk with Him, the more He shares our heart, His heart with us because we're willing to hear and understand. And through that, the more we're going to understand His love, therefore we're going to love to a greater and deeper degree. And that's what Paul's prayer was for the church at Philippi, that your love may abound more and more. Look on at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12. Paul says to the church of Thessalonica, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and everyone else, just as ours does for you. By example, he and the other apostles and leaders, they were expressing and showing their love for the church at Thessalonica. They cared for that church. They invested in that church. They did everything they possibly could and continued to pray for them. But he said, here's what we want for you. They couldn't do it themselves. Paul couldn't. But he says, may the Lord make your love increase. The more time you spend with him, he's going to increase the ability you have to love one another. And listen to this, that your love may increase and overflow. It's just not reaching, you know, a little higher, but actually overflowing to others. Now, a few days ago, oh, that's probably been a few weeks now, uh, I lose track of time a little bit, but I thought, you know, my pool is getting down a little bit, and 
that pool's important in the summertime, not so much in the winter because uh, I don't heat it. But uh, it was getting down, and so I, I, I filled it up, actually probably a little bit before it was supposed to be. And do you remember just a few weeks ago, it just rained and rained and rained? You remember that day? Well, I tell you what, the water was creeping up almost to the very top where it was about to overflow. And I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> that is not good. No, but that gives a great idea of how our love ought to be because it ought to flow over beyond what even others expect it to be. And that's what Paul's trying to get across, that your love may increase and overflow for each other as the body of Christ, for us within this First Baptist Church of Sun City West, for other believers. But he didn't stop there, and he sells for everyone else too. So it's not just believers, it's the folks we run into at the grocery store, our neighbors, people that we're in clubs with or that we enjoy getting together with dinner, all of these people, that your love may increase and overflow for each other and everyone else, just as ours has done for you. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, you must love one another by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another in the early church there were lots of folks that were astounded and came to christ because they saw how the church loved each other in jerusalem that's the way the community ought to be for us. We ought to see how we love one another. That was Jesus' command that we love one another. Um, I promise you, the only way that's going to happen is for the Lord to move it within our midst. And the only way for the Lord to move it in our midst is more time we spend with Him. The more and more time that we spend together in prayer, focused on unity, and it overflows into that genuine love for God for each other and for the world jesus said in matthew 22 37 through 39 love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and he goes on to say in verse 39 and love your neighbor as yourself a reflection of what deuteronomy has to say god in deuteronomy had to say that's the intent that's the command but the way we accomplish that is for God to work in our life in the realm of maturity and growth to where we understand and we look at people with the heart of God and not our own. Fourth, the more praying that a church does, the more the people in the church will know God. And that's what we want, to know God. And I believe that the more we know God, not just know about God, but actually know Him, engage with Him, growth in our spiritual walk with him the greater the sense of his presence will be in our lives especially as we gather together with the body of Christ our fellow brothers and sisters in him Ephesians chapter 1 verses 18 through 23 is a great passage listen Paul says to the church at Ephesus I pray also that the eyes of your heart very important term that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that, and he's saying three things, I want your eyes to be very sensitive to hearing what I have to say, what your, what your heart, the eyes of your heart 
because you're not enlightened right now, but you need to be for these three things, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Secondly, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And third, his incomparably great power for us who believe. He says, my prayer for you is that the eyes of your heart, what you really sense spiritually, the heart is that seat of emotions. It's where your act of the will is. It's where you make those decisions in life. He says, that's what I want you to hear, to see, and to be enlightened so that you, as a follower of Christ, may know the hope to which he has called you, that eternal life that he's given you, and the life abundant that you're living now. Secondly, the riches of his glorious inheritance. Know that you have eternity, and it's rich because he's rich. He owns everything. It is a rich inheritance, but not only materially talking, he's talking about the inheritance spiritually that you have. And those that don't know Christ, they don't have this. But no, understand your glorious inheritance. What you have, you're a child of the King. And third, the incomparably great power for us who believe. What kind of power is that? Well, he goes on to talk about that. He says, that power is like the, wor is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. I want to stop just a second there. That same kind of power he likens that he raised Jesus from the dead is the same type of power he has given to us. None of us when we're walking in depth with the Lord should say, I don't have the ability to do what he's called me to do because he has given you that incomparably great power, the same type of power that he exerted in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Whew. You ever thought about that? Now, he's not saying go out and try to raise somebody from the dead. That's not what he's trying to get across. What he's saying is that's the kind of power that you have as a believer. Be enlightened for that. Don't deny it. And he goes on and talks about seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. In other words, nobody touches him. There's nobody that is his equal. That kind of power he has bestowed to you, all authority on heaven and earth he has bestowed to us, to communicate the gospel, to make disciples, to teach them, and to be a family of faith, a lighthouse to the world. And he goes on to say, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Over the years, I've had people say, you know what, I just think it's, it's a little bit time for me to step back from the church for a while. I'm just, me and Jesus are going to get off by ourselves, and we're just, we're just going to worship him. And I just try to think to myself, that's not what this passage says. Because the reality is, you're not going to get off over here with Jesus by yourself when Jesus is the head of the church, and we are his body. The desire is for us to be together, 
Now, don't get me wrong. We certainly grow in our faith as we walk with Jesus on an ongoing individual way. But there are no long, Lone Ranger Christians out there. He put the church together for a reason. And he put all of those gifts of all of us who are the church together to accomplish his desire. The church is vital. So the question is, are we experiencing the full presence of God when we meet together? Do we have that, uh, that kind of power that he's talking about? That unification comes through the power of prayer. And the power of prayer gives us the understanding and the idea that we can know God intimately. And when we know him, it changes who we are because all of a sudden we are enlightened to what his heart is how his heart beats for us and for a world. And so it changes us. Fifth, the more praying that is done by the church, the more joy, the more confidence, the more security, the more faith, and the more peace we will experience. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In these two verses, we see these five elements. Joy, confidence, security, faith. And peace the very the very qualities that a church ought to have he says do not be anxious about anything you shouldn't be worried about things we're always concerned about this or that but he said listen I have this and I have you and I have you here and I have you in the hereafter and though you might go through some very difficult times I'm going to be with you every step along the way. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, he says, by prayer and petition. By everything. By prayer and petition. That prayer and petition is absolutely critical. Because when we pray by faith, we have the faith that God is going to intervene, that anxious feeling goes away. It melts. He says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, thanksgiving has that understanding of joy. We are thankful, we're joyful of what God has done. Present your request to God, he says, and the peace of God. That's not peace that man gives. The peace of God is something beyond our understanding. It's a peace that, that we can't comprehend, but we can experience that the peace of God. You know, I don't want peace from anybody else because those can be broken. But the peace of God in my heart, in my life, it changes everything. It calms everything down. It gives me an understanding that I can trust him. I can faithfully believe in what he says. He says the peace of God which transcends all understanding. That's why we can't understand it. It's beyond our understanding. We're finite people with finite minds. He's infinite. But he says, I will give you my peace. And then he says, we'll guard your hearts. And the guarding of the hearts 
brings us confidence and security. He will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So the more praying that is done by the church, the more joy and confidence, security, faith, and peace they will experience. So how can we experience these things? I'm telling you, the only way we're going to be able to do that is through volume praying. And what I mean by that is just more and more prayer together as the body of Christ, individually, yes, but as the body of Christ, we must join together with one heart and one soul, one mind, singleness of purpose, and pray intently. God will move. But it goes beyond that because I believe a sixth principle is very important. I believe that the pastor, I believe that the staff, I believe that the deacons, I believe that the church leadership should pray a lot, a lot, a lot. You see, the commitment level towards prayer will rise, but it's not going to rise above the leadership of the body of Christ. We're supposed to be the example of much praying. If you go to the scriptures, you find that the apostles had a division within the church at Jerusalem between two different sets of, of uh, you had the Palestinian uh, Jews and you had, the, uh, uh, you had the Gentile Jews and said, listen, our widows aren't being taken, given enough, you know, and so there was an issue and the apostles are having to try to deal with all these issues and it was taken away from the most important things in their ministry. And so they, it's when they set aside uh, the men that we call the forerunners of our deacon ministry to deal with those divisional issues. And in Acts 6, 4, the, the apostles said, this is why we need to do this, so that we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. It was so important for the apostles to spend much time in prayer and much time teaching and preaching the word of god and when they're they're doing all of the other things it takes away from that kind of time well we understand that pastors are shepherds and so there's a balance there from apostles to being a shepherd but you get the intent of how important prayer in the ministry of the word is the apostle paul probably with the greatest church planner that the world's ever known he said to several churches to the church at ephesus chapter 1 verse 16 he said i have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers he did this continually to the churches he did not forget them he remembered them and he talked about them and he says i am giving thanks for you and i'm remembering you in my prayers leadership ought to be doing that consistently the Apostle Paul and his leadership team stated in 1 Thessalonians 3.10, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. He says night and day we pray. The church of Philippi in 
chapter 3, verse 17, he said, join with others in following my example. What was his example? Well, one of Paul's great examples was his prayer for every church. He said in Romans chapter 1, verses 9 and the first part of verse 10, he said, God whom I serve with my whole heart, preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. saying to the Roman church, I'm praying for you constantly. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, said, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as an overseer, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, and I promise you, the greatest example, as we have seen, of leadership is the example of much prayer. Paul said in Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. He's saying to the Colossians, listen, you've seen my example, you've seen other leaders' example, follow that example and devote yourselves to prayer. I believe with all of my heart that we have excellent church ministries, programs, and activities. We have wonderful leaders across the board on our, our committees and councils and teams. What we need to really concentrate on right now is volume praying. I think that's where we're going to get our horsepower to move us to love one another to love our community, and to love God even more. And to experience the qualities we've already talked about as a church body. It's also going to help us to completely fulfill the great commandment. So today, before God and this body of Christ, I want you to know that I'm committing myself to strive to fulfill all those responsibilities as a pastor to lead by example for more and more of our people to become prayer warriors. So to accomplish this goal, I strive, I commit to spend more time praying than I have in the past. Secondly, I'm going to pray for every single member more than I have in the past. Every member, every watch care status, and every regular attender. Pray for you consistently on a daily basis, spread across the course of a month or two months, getting through every single one, not just those that have prayer needs specific at that time, but continuing to pray with what I know and what I understand in your church life and in your own personal life, praying for God to specifically touch you. And then third, I will lead the church as we launch into this next year-long commitment to the Watchman Prayer Ministry, it challenges every single member and every single attendee to pray for one hour a week. To sign up for that hour, our goal is to have as many of those 24 hours, seven days a week hours, 168 hours, as many as we can get signed up. That Watchman Prayer Ministry is a very specific thing. It prays for the ministries of this church. It prays 
for our community and it prays for spiritual renewal and awakening. Those are the main focuses for the Watchman Prayer Ministry. It will help in every single way for anybody who signs up to know how to pray for a whole hour. We can do that. Some say, well, preacher, I, I pray at home. I, I have my own prayer time. I don't really need to sign up there. What I'm asking you to consider is I'm asking you to consider this as part of our corporate prayer time where we focus our attention on these things. And together, through the course of the week, we unify ourselves together, knowing that we have other brothers and sisters that are on the board praying after us or praying before us or praying on this time of the week, and they are part of this corporate body moving together to intercede for God to move in a powerful way. And I think I have clearly shown in Scripture how important the corporate prayer is. So my desire and my conviction is to lead First Baptist Church Sun City West to be a unified house of prayer to accomplish the great commit, uh, commandment that says love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It is, it is absolutely critical that we accomplish the command of Jesus. And so as the Lord leads you during our time of invitation, please join me to commit to some of those same things. To volume praying. Commit to pray more and more. Secondly, to pray for each other. Third, to participate in the Watchman Prayer Ministry. There are people out there today who will be able to help you sign up for a particular hour or multiple hours but I'm asking you as the body of Christ to join together and let's do this. I'm asking you to allow this to become a spiritual marker day for you that you can go back and say, listen, on February 20th, 2022, God spoke to me in that time of worship and I, I committed to these things, to pray more, to pray for each other more, and to be a part of a corporate prayer effort together as the body of Christ. And God has changed me. You can pray that hour anywhere you want, whether you're here in Sun City West or whether you're up north or over to California, wherever you might live several months out of the year. And this morning, in our invitation, I plead with you, commit yourself and join me. Father, as we come before your presence with the joy and the privilege of praying, but the understanding of how important prayer is for unity, for singleness of focus and purpose, to deepen in our genuine love for you, for each other, for everyone else. To experience the wonderful qualities of peace and love, and joy, security and confidence, and faith. And Father, this morning, that each one of us would say, God, I want a depth 
in my relationship with you, knowing you, not just about you, but knowing you to a greater degree. And so today, I make my commitment to join the pastor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'll be at the front. Our invitation is open for you to come for whatever decision. As God leads you, you come.
be seated if you would. Thank you for being here today and such a special, special day. I hope that you have spent time this morning listening and allowing God to speak to you. And I hope that you've committed yourself in some of these areas. If you're interested in the Watchman Prayer Ministry, we'll have individuals, Lynn out there and, and some others who will help you get signed up uh, and give you some, some uh, basic information. Next Sunday, we launch the Watchman Prayer Ministry. And what I mean by that is that all of those who have signed up, we're going to have packets for you that describe exactly what this ministry uh, in depth is. It's going to show you how you can pray for an hour, gives you a great outline, gives you a, a devotional guide to go through. It, uh, it is uh, a, um, a time and materials that help us as the body feel like we're together. When we launched this the first time two years ago, we didn't know that the pandemic was just a few weeks away. <laughs> but I tell you what, it was critical for us in those days when we weren't meeting for six months that we had so many people praying. Now, usually on the second time that we do this, our numbers drop off. I've seen that over the years. And it's happening this, this year too. But don't let it. Commit yourself to sign up for that because the body of Christ needs to pray together. And this is one avenue that we can do it very focused. So whatever you need, whatever information you need, next Sunday we'll give that to you and we'll help in every way possible. Nancy, I'll let you continue on and uh, then we have a presentation. In the main lobby as well as in the smaller lobby to my left here past the organ, there are sign-up sheets for you men to sign up for the men's breakfast. That will be a week from Tuesday. Doyle Miller will be the speaker. But to assist those who do the cooking, you need to sign up if you are planning to come. It's the best $3 breakfast in town, I'm told. <laughs> also, this week at 4 o'clock on Wednesday, our small group studies will continue. Those are going well, but it's not too late for you to be a part of that if you would like to be. There's sign-up sheets also in both lobbies for the movie, which is on Thursday. Prayer, a war room. It's a wonderful movie about the importance of prayer. And we will see that at 1 o'clock on Thursday. But if you would like to come at 12.30 for lunch, we need to know that. Be a $5 lunch with Chick-fil-A sandwich, chips, cookie, and dessert, in addition to the cookie. So please sign up for those things. You'll see on the back of the bulletin, the baby bottle campaign next Sunday, those filled baby bottles need to be returned for New Life Pregnancy Center. Just one thing for February has been the canned soup. If you have not had opportunity to bring some soup for St. Mary's Food Bank, this would be the week. We've had lots of cans of soup brought, but it's not too late for you to bring more as well. Thank you. If you, if you want to learn more and more about prayer, the movie Prayer, A War Room, is incredible. I'd encourage you to come. Ron, would you come and, and stand with me? And Bob, I'm going to ask you if you'd come and stand. Bob Marty, come and stand with Ron, if you will. You guys really enjoy that comfortable back seat back there, you and, <laughs> and uh, Bob and Chuck. <laughs> so it's really a joy for me to be able to get you guys up front. <laughs> I tell you, Ron Reichert is uh, a great guy. He's been uh, uh, attending with us for a pretty good amount of time, over a year, I think, right? Yeah. 
And um, uh, Ron is coming today to say, I, I feel like this is the place God wants me to join. I need to be involved. And uh, so we, we're excited that you're here. And uh, this is a, t- a tough time. Uh, Ron lost his wife a couple of years ago, I believe it is. And, and you know, like a number of our, our folks, we walk through those, those difficult times. And, uh, we, just, we just love him. And uh, we're going to look forward to our ministry together. And in just a few moments, our folks are going to come, and they're going to give you the right hand of Christian fellowship. They're going to be coming by and saying uh, two things. Basically, uh, Ron, welcome to your church family. And secondly, we're going to be praying with you and working beside you in these days ahead for God's glory. Okay? All right. Bob, if you'd come and stand, if you would. If you would stand as Mita Cates comes to lead us in our closing prayer. Mina serves as the chairperson of our personnel committee, and she's going to dismiss our time together. Pray with me. Holy Father, we thank you for your many blessings on our church. Thank you for this little piece of heaven we get to enjoy here. Thank you for Nancy and this choir and our musicians. Thank you for our teachers and our leaders. Thank you for our pastor who loves this church and preaches your truth. Lord, you love your church. Help each one of us to search our hearts and heed your command to love one another. Hear our watchmen's prayers and protect our church from enemy forces. We place all our hope and faith In you, Lord, our rock and our salvation. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 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 Amen